Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. This is wonderful. Next week is Easter, and I just want to encourage you again. Hey, if you have loved ones or friends, somebody that you want to invite to church, maybe you've been praying for for a while, next week is um, just a fantastic time to invite them. Most unchurched people are willing to go to church on Easter. So just reach out, invite them. And I would also say this. um, If you, uh, like by Saturday night, you're like, hey, I'm coming, but I'm not bringing anybody, that's fine. That's great. I would encourage you, if you're in the 10 o'clock service and you're not bringing anybody, to make some room because 10 o'clock is going to be packed. So if you don't have anybody you're bringing, come to the 830, come to the 11. And uh, so this is an encouragement to bring somebody so you get your service. But um, yeah, just make a little bit of extra room uh, like into the 830. If you're able to do that, that would be very helpful. All right? Fantastic. Some of you are like, now I have to bring somebody. So I can come attend. <laughs> hey, uh, does anybody else suffer with like short-term memory loss? <laughs> this, this is my thing. Like I'm constantly forgetting what things are called or like, like, like I'll, I'll always like, I'll, I'll go to a store and use the restroom in the store and set my phone on the toilet paper dispenser and then like 20 minutes later remember like, oh my God. Goodness, I left my phone is still, has anybody ever done that? Or like you're, you're like out of town somewhere and you forget something. For me, like the classic example of this was I was, uh, I was hunting on the, uh, near the Kenai Peninsula. On, it's called Turnigan Arm. I was hunting out there uh, for mountain goat in Alaska. And um, it was really steep. And, and when we got up on the side of the mountain, we set our tent up kind of on a, on the side of the mountain and also a tree that was laying down. And we, we sort of used the tree as the bed of the tent. And that's what we slept on that night. And we got up and we started hiking up over the mountain. And later the next day, or two days later, I looked at my backpack and I realized my favorite knife was missing. And I know exactly what happened. Like I reached into the top of my backpack and opened it to get a cliff bar. And I remember, see, that was the last moment I remember seeing my knife. So I'm a hundred percent certain that my knife is still underneath a tree on the side of a mountain on Turnigan Arm. So if anybody wants a nice uh, knife, you can go find it. <clears throat> Losing stuff like that's it's always frustrating. But what's really frustrating to me is when I lose things at home. Because for me, losing my keys is a constant battle. Like, I'm constantly asking my wife, where are my keys? And she says, where you put them? (laughs) Which is not helpful at all. She's like, you're so absent-minded. They're in the drawer, like, beside the masking tape. Like, they're right there. And I'm like, "Ah, how did they get there? I didn't put them there. 
last night my son was going to a birthday party and I had to, I, I was getting ready to bring him and that was my, my final routine on, the, out, on my way out the door because what I've had is I've had this little bowl. When I walk in the house, there's a bowl. I empty my pockets, put it all in the bowl. <laughs> Anybody else have to have that? Until what happens is uh, we decide to, to clean up that part and get rid of the bowl, and then I don't have a bowl to put my stuff in, and so I'm, I'm running around the house frantically looking for my keys so I can take my son to a birthday party. It's just crazy losing stuff in that. And you know, the, the one item in the whole house that goes missing the most is the one thing that really should never go missing. I don't know how this item walks, like if it's got wheels, if it's got little feet under it, but the TV remote, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like the TV remote is the one, like if we can go back to like the curly Q wire that used to be on telephone, that should be on the TV remote. So it doesn't end up like in crazy places like the laundry room or my kid's nightstand. Like why would, why would it walk? Why would it go away? We even bought two extra uh, like just generic TV remotes. So we, if we lost one, we could find I don't know where those are. And then, then we went and bought these little wraps that you put over the remotes that are glow-in-the-dark TV re- remote. Re- I still can't find the remote anytime I'm looking for it. Anybody know the struggle? Yeah. It's the devil's fighting us. The deal is um, when you lose something, in the moment that you've lost something is the moment you actually assess its value. Right? Um, I remember when I was a kid and I had this dog that I always thought was a chore. It was a chore. This dog's a chore. And the moment the dog died, I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I actually really liked this dog. Or I was on the side of the mountain about three hours up and over the mountain, and I realized I've lost this knife. And in the moment, I think, I really like that knife. But not three hours of hiking like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can go back to Sportsman's and get a new one. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us what he values. Because what we value is often known when we lose it. When we lose something we discover whether we value it or we don't value it, whether it's replaceable or whether it's irreplaceable, whether we drop everything for it or whether we just walk away and cut our losses. And so Jesus teaches in what's called parables. Parables, it's two words put together, para and bole. It means this, to to throw a ball parallel what it means to throw alongside or throw parallel. So what Jesus is doing is he's taking a truth and he's throwing a ball parallel with the truth. This is how he teaches. He teaches in large illustrations that are parallel to the truth he's teaching us. And he teaches us in Luke chapter 15 through three stories what Jesus values when it's lost. Luke chapter 15 is about lost sheep. It's about lost silver. It's about lost siblings. It's about lost sons. And in, con- in context, it's really about, the whole thing is really about lost religious people. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us what matters most to him. It begins like this, with the first parable of the sheep. It says this, so he told them this parable. 
What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Who, if they had a hundred cows, wouldn't leave the 99 to go find that one that's been misplaced? Who, if they, if they had a hundred one dollar bills, wouldn't leave the 99 on the nightstand and go find the one. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is something important. We're going to go find. So the real question here is, if something is lost, what will you do? And as I've said before, that all depends, doesn't it? It depends on the value of the thing that is lost. Sometimes we do nothing. Sometimes we do everything. Jesus goes into the next portion of this parable. He tells another story, another story being thrown alongside this thought. He says this, or, or, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep under the house uh, and, and, and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. Jesus is saying, what would you do? What would you do if you were missing something of great value. And when we hear this story, we think, oh, this is just a, a woman with 10 coins. Coins are easy to come by. Like, we, we don't even use coins anymore because we don't. We're, we're essentially cashless, it, it, which is fantastic if you're a parent because then when your kids ask you for money for the vending machine, like, I really don't have it. This is great. <clears throat> But this woman's counting her coins. Now, Jesus is telling a story. This is not a real woman. This is a woman that Jesus is, is using as an illustration. But what he would be talking about to people that would be listening most likely would have had to have, done, had to have been about like a, uh, the, the wedding process. When, when a, a wife was uh, betrothed or when she, she went to her husband in these days, there would often be a dowry that the, the husband's family, there would like be this exchange of money, but there would also be a gift from the wife's father. Historically, we know this. There was a gift from the wife's father to, to the wife. And, and the gift was she would often get a, a headband, like this, this headdress that was braided with coins inside of it. Or she would get a necklace that was woven with coins. This was very common in, in first century Jewish culture. And, and the purpose of it was really this, this coin was not for the husband to use. It was not something, it was not his. It was, it was something that was a beauty to her, something of value to her. But the purpose of it was really it created this, um, this sort of safety net if anything happened to the husband or to their marriage. It was her, her backup plan if things went south that she would have this headband or this necklace. And in the culture, what it would mean if, if a woman had lost something like this or lost a portion of this coin, it would mean that she's irresponsible, that she's to be blamed, that she's not trustworthy in handling valuable items. So what Jesus is saying is not that somebody's just lost a coin. He's really saying this woman's reputation is on the line, like the way people 
people view her as on the line. This woman has lost something of value that isn't just a loss, but it, it actually mars her reputation. It actually creates this, this, uh, this look towards her that people question whether she is to be trusted. Have you ever lost anything that really mattered? Maybe you were washing your hands in the kitchen one day and, and that, that fancy Dawn soap washed your wedding ring right off and it went down the sink. This is like a super common story. Wedding ring goes down the sink like crazy. Or maybe you were somewhere and you, you lost your wallet or, or you had to replace your ID and so then you literally, you literally went to hell. Like you, you went to the physical place called hell, the Department of Motor Vehicles, <laughs> to go replace what was lost. Like, just like all, all of Satan's people are like there. You know, it's just, it's just <laughs> if you work at the DMV, I love you. We're so glad you're here today. But you also know what I mean. <clears throat> and this woman, when she loses this coin of value, she doesn't just rest back and say, oh, well, I've got nine more, not a big deal. I, I can just, I can just, it's replaceable. It's not a big deal. Instead, what the Bible says she does is she turns on a light. The coin is lost. Now, her house would have been made out of uh, like stone and mortar. These are not wooden homes. These are stone homes with narrow, thin, like thin uh, windows. So very little light would come into their homes. And it says that what she, what she does is she turns on a light. She turns on a lamp. This is not like us with our fancy electricity that we really take for granted. I mean, honestly, it's, it's just what a blessing to live in, in, in our time, isn't it? Like we could flip on the light and do whatever we want to do. Like flip it off and then turn it back on. Like this, it's amazing. It's a great aid when you're waking your kids up on Sunday morning. Amen? <laughs> Rise and shine. But... <clears throat> This woman, she, she turns on a light, and the way she's turning on a light is she's taking an oil lantern and lighting it. She's, she's expending an actual resource that she can watch this resource be burnt. She's, she's putting energy and resource into finding that one lost coin. This one lost coin that holds the image from which its value comes. That's what's so interesting about coins, isn't it? That a coin on the coin, on the face of the coin, is the image of the institution or an image of a representation of where it gets its value. When I was 12 years old, we moved to Canada, and, and all of my coins had queens on them. I remember it had, they had queens on them, they had polar bears on them, they had beavers on them, things that represented a sense of significance and value to Canadians. In the United States, when we have a coin, it, they have images on them of capital buildings, images on them of our presidents and past people that left a real impact on our world. And so this woman's coin, uh, and when I was in Israel, you, you, can, you can see, you can actually buy these coins because they find them all the time, just loose coins. And it would have had an, an image of Caesar stamped into the coin. This is why Jesus says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's is because a coin has his face on it. Really, the, the coin itself already has intrinsic value because it is made in the image of where its value comes from. 
And yet it is lost in the darkness. It's lost in the darkness of the house. So although the coin is in the darkness, misplaced, it still has the value of its image that it bears. Think about how helpless this coin would have been. This is not a story of, of a coin that somehow pulls itself up by its bootstraps, that it, it gets a hold of like one granule of truth and like builds itself into a self-made woman. No, this is a coin that is completely oblivious to the fact that it is missing. It has been misplaced within the home. In fact, for this coin to be found, it cannot find itself. It requires outside activity. The woman has to flip on a light and find the coin. It is, it is the woman that finds the coin. In fact, the coin doesn't even know that it's lost. Some of us here, we knew we were lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, we knew we were lost. Our parents knew we were lost. Our teachers knew we were lost. The police knew we were lost. But have you ever talked to somebody that, like, they didn't know they were lost? Like, like they, they had a normal everyday life, and they're like, what do you mean I'm lost? But let me tell you, there are, there are people that are lost Around us, they may not have probation officers, but the truth is, while they're raising their children and while they're working their jobs and while they're transporting their kids to all sorts of various sports activities and spending their money at local restaurants and, and, and spending their finances on activities for the weekend, or maybe going to Bond and Bevel, their new favorite coffee shop in Caldwell, like, <laughs> like, like, like they're going about life as usual, but the truth truth is they might just be lost in the shuffle and not recognize that they're actually lost. Like from the outside, they look like they've got it all together, but the truth is they've been misplaced by life itself. Maybe I'm making you uncomfortable with the idea of being lost. Maybe you're in the room today and you're like, I don't think we should talk about lost and sin and this sort of thing. And I understand the sentiment, or maybe you just feel uncomfortable with me saying you might be lost. And I understand that. But listen to what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that, like, you're a bad person. What he's saying is you are a silver coin stamped with the image of God. You have incredible value, like eternal value. Like you are not some being that is here today and gone tomorrow. You will be here for the rest of eternity. Like you were here at the beginning of eternity, but you will be here for the rest of eternity. You've got eternal value that comes through your creator. The problem is we're not, if, if we're not in the hands of the creator, the value that we have is lost. And so, so this woman's coin was of value, but because she couldn't put it in her hands, it was of no practical value. That's what we mean when we say lost. We don't mean bad. We don't mean dirty. We just mean misplaced. You already have the value. You're just not in the hands of the God that created you. 
This is really about how valuable you are to God, how important you are to God, that he would leave 99 fancy church people to go find you. That he would leave nine people that got it all together and, and they don't ever bounce a check and they got all their stuff together, but he would go find you. He would flip on a light to go find you. The Bible tells us that she turns on the lights. This woman flips on the lights and begins to show them into the world around her to try to find the one missing coin. Church family, that's what we do. What, what do I, what's my mission in life, pastor? What's my purpose? Your purpose in life is to turn on the lights in the church, turn on the lights. In your home, turn on the lights. When you go to work, turn on the lights. When you show up at a gas station, you turn on the lights to try to find God's missing lost silver. We, we, turn, on, we turn on the lights. But the problem is, the light is not enough. There, there's got to be more to this than just turning on the lights. I, I went to, to school in Stockton, California, and no, I'm not in a gang. And, and when I went to school in Stockton, I would go to San Francisco often to go. Um, well, when I met my wife, we'd go on dates to San Francisco, and I'd go there with friends. It's just like it's the city. You do the city thing. And I remember there would be this guy that would stand in Union Square with a big cardboard sign every time I would go there. Didn't matter what time of the year, what time of the day, he would be there with this big sign. And it had some Bible verses on it, like the Ten Commandments or something. And then it said, like, believe in Jesus or burn in hell forever. And he would stand in the busiest parts of Union Square with this big sign. And, and as a believer, as someone that's life is like aimed at finding lost silver, I would get so irritated with, with this method. I, I went to the guy one time. I said, what are you trying to accomplish? Like you realize this is not effective. In fact, it's unhelpful to the rest of us that are trying to do something here. You, you realize that, right? That, like that's, that's why people don't come to church. It's not because the music isn't good. It's not because the pre preaching isn't good enough. It's not because the facilities aren't nice enough. People stop coming to church because of mean Christians. And so he's, he's holding the sign. I said, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm just making it so that they have no excuse before God. Now they know. Uh, yes, we turn on the light, but the light is not the only thing she did. She also rolled up her sleeves. Like, she turned on the light, but then she, she began to look around the house. She put some elbow grease into it. She, she began to lean some weight. Like, does anybody have, like, a, maybe you got a dust broom or, like, a, maybe a tooth? Does anybody have anything to, like, sweep? Oh, my. Kimmy, this is my wife with a broom. Insert sexist joke here. <laughs> Love you, baby. Not only did she, <laughs> some of you are like, ah, and some of you are like, I wish you would have said it. <clears throat> so not only, not only did she turn on a light, but the Bible says she grabs a broom and she starts sweeping around. I don't want to sweep because this is dusty, but you'll be like, oh, it's really gross. 
But that's what happens when you sweep, isn't it? And she starts sweeping around the house, like looking under things, trying to, trying to find where is the missing coin. She's, she's into this thing. She, she's not sitting back and just like memorizing Bible verses, just like, just like, just categorizing, you know, like trying to figure, like getting like this great systematic worldview. No, she's sweeping for lost coins. This is what we do. We sweep for lost silver. That's the role of the body of Christ. We sweep for lost silver. We get a broom. What are you doing, Pastor? Why are you spending your time? Because I'm sweeping for lost silver. I'm looking for lost silver because not every coin is just lost in the dark. Some coins are also lost under the dust and the dirt and between the cracks and underneath the bed. And, and if you want to do this thing called living for Jesus, you've got to be okay with dirty coins. You've got to be okay with the dust that begins to come up as you sweep. You, you, you've got to start sweeping for lost coins because every single lost piece of silver is stamped with the image of the creator. And we want to judge them based on the way they're lost. We want to categorize them by the kind of dirt they're in or the crack they've fallen into. But the truth is they all have value. They're all in the image of God. And it's our job to sweep up. Like it doesn't matter what action you've been doing in your life. I'm going to sweep up this lost coin. I'm going to help find this lost piece of silver. It doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. I'm going to sweep up this lost coin. It, it doesn't matter what habitual sin you've allowed into your life. I'm going to sweep this lost coin. I'm going to find the lost coins. I just wonder if, if I'm in, a, in the right room, like a church full of people that believe we are on mission to find Jesus's lost coins. They're, they're just lost. They're not bad. They're just lost. They have value. They're just not in his Hand, and that's our job. In fact, Jesus, he was on the great sweeping mission. He said it like this. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his job. And so it says she lights a candle, she gets a broom, and then she begins to search. She does the work. She puts in the effort. I just wonder, are you willing to search with me? Are you willing to look for the lost silver of God? Men and women that you rub shoulders with every day who, who love like the idea of God. Maybe they, maybe they love the, the idea of God. Maybe they, maybe they have a desire towards God, but they're just lost. Or, or maybe they're far from God. You think they'd never turn towards him. Maybe they're just, just wrecked by addiction or maybe their life is turned upside down. Are you willing because this woman does not delegate the sweeping to someone else. She does not say, it is, it is the professional Christian's job. It's church staff's job to find lost. That's not what she does. What she says is, I'm going to find lost silver. I'm going to find lost silver. Are you willing to search? Because the truth is, I hear this all the time. Pastor, I just wish we'd get really deep. What you really mean is you want me to use Greek words and confuse you. <laughs> if you want to talk deep, let's talk forgiving those that have betrayed you. 
Pastor, I just really want community. I just want to be in a smaller environment. It's getting too many people. I want a small. Like, I just want to say, we're unapologetic for the growth you're experiencing because our purpose is to find lost silver. Yeah, but we really got to grow ourselves. Let me tell you, the greatest way to be focused on internal growth, like the greatest way as a church to be inwardly healthy is to be obsessively outwardly focused. It was when Jesus sent his disciples on mission to find lost silver that they would come back to him and said, hey, this part's not working. And Jesus would disciple them. He would disciple them while on mission. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut, like, like you've just kind of been going in this circular motion in your faith right now. What would change everything is if you stepped out of the rut and said, I'm going to be on mission to find lost silver. And I promise you, you will discover inward health. Is that our conviction as a church? I, I, I hope, I pray, I believe that it is a resounding yes that as a church we believe that we are on mission to find God's lost silver, to sweep for silver, not to wait for someone else to do it, but we sweep for silver ourselves. It's not because we're after attendance. We're not after church attendance. What we're after is willingness. What we're after is people that will sweep for silver. That's what we're actually chasing. Like, like, like it's not finances that, that run the engine of the church. They certainly are useful in certain parts, but, but what runs the engine of the church is people that own the mission of the kingdom of God. When you and I say, no, I, I own, this is me, this is who I am, that runs the engine of the church. <clears throat> and I'm sure this woman had other responsibilities. She might have had kids. She might have been married. She might have had food cooking. She might have been making something that she could sell later. She could have been working on a project somewhere. But when the coin is lost, she goes after the lost coin. You and I have lots of responsibilities. We live in a very complicated world with many responsibilities. But when it comes to lost silver, we have to manage the tension that yes, I've got to put food on the table, but yes, I've got to search for lost silver. I've got to find lost silver because there is lost silver at your workplace. You are, you are in, in family dynamics with lost silver. You, lost silver is in your neighborhood. It is the mission of Christ. So let there be no confusion when you come to celebration. Like the reason why we do things around here, the way we do things around here, is because we are looking for lost silver. The, the reason why we let the youth go absolutely berserk on a Wednesday night, blasting music all over this parking lot, like it's crazy. Loud. I have people try to do small groups on a Wednesday, and they're like, can you tell them to turn it down? Absolutely not. They were here first, and the 
number two, like they're reaching lost silver. They're sweeping, they're finding, and there are dozens and dozens of teenagers from across your city that don't live in, in church homes that are coming on a Wednesday night because we got people that are sweeping for lost silver. Why do you do those kind of ministries where you, you're creating dust? It's kind of messy. It's because we're sweeping for lost silver. Can I just say, like church, it is healthy when a believer understands that not every sermon is for you, that not every collection of sermons is about you, that the, the type of music we pick is not necessarily always going to be aimed at you because we are sweeping for lost silver. And everything we do is about sweeping for lost silver because we believe that the best way to be inwardly healthy is to be obsessively outwardly focused. And so with so much at stake, I've got no other choice but to sweep. I think there's a coin in here. It's messy, but I'm okay with the mess, I'm going to sweep. When I was in Bible school, I, I went to school in, in Stockton. If you're from that part of California, you understand Stockton's not a, it's not like a destination. And um, I remember in, we had a prayer room, kind of behind the platform in the church, and it was open 24 hours a day, and me and my friends would go in there and pray, and I said that to just impress you. Um, <laughs> but I remember we looked on this, there's like this prayer bulletin board. Bulletin, for, oh, so for all my, yeah, so a bulletin board is this cork. <laughs> it's made out of cork. <laughs> so, and this, this mom had, had put a prayer request on the bulletin board in the back, and she said, I, I need someone that's willing to pray for my boys and um, could teach them a Bible study. And me and my friend Jordan were like, we'll, We'll do that. That's like the, that's what we're trying to do with our life is make a difference in the world around us. And so we, we got a hold of this mom and she said, hey, yeah, so he'll come. It'll be him, maybe a couple friends. If you come, I'll cook for you. And like anybody knows, when a Mexican mama says, I'll cook for you, you do it. You do it. And so so we, we, we show up at the house the first time and there's, there's two or three boys and and we're eating empanadas and we're eating tacos. It's amazing. Like, we're, we're Bible school kids. We're poor. So we're just like, yes. <laughs> Teach them. Pray with them. And then as the days go by, the weeks go by, they, they pull out their, their basketball hoop out into the driveway. And they invite all their friends over to play basketball. And what I didn't tell you is these kids are all, like, gang members. They're not, like, they're not, like, they're, they're gang members. These kids are, they're all in. It didn't take long before their entire crew would show up to get tacos and Bible and prayer. And so we were ministering to all these kids as this group of kids. These are, they're, they're teenagers, but they're, they're living a very different life than most of us are used to. And, and we were praying with them. And I remember like, just seeing them giving their life to the Lord in church. Like They'd come to church with us, and they would just be like not having it. And the next thing you know, you just see them tears streaming down their face, giving their life to the Like, it's the most incredible. Like, you want to have good church. Good church is not good music. It's not good preaching. It's when a piece of lost silver that you found is sitting next to you, and they give their life to Jesus. 
That's great church. I remember at one point there was a drive-by at their house. Uh, well, it was a drive-by. Some guys surrounded the house and shot into the house, and two of the boys got hit. And they came running, and they hid in our dorm room, which I don't, looking back, I don't think this was wise at all. <laughs> Come on in. They came into the dorm room, and, and we made, we put them in our car and brought them to the, to the hospital and prayed with them, loved on them. I remember it was one, one church service. There was this one kid who was always kind of on the edge, never all the way in. He was wearing a, a basketball jersey that was like what his gang always wore was that jersey. And he had cornrows down the back of his neck, down to about here. We were in, it was a big church, and we were down this aisle right here, way down on the left. I'm sitting with him in the back over here. They give this altar call, and God's moving, and people are praying, and Lord... Lord's blessing people. And this kid stands up and he's got tears running down his face and he steps into the middle of the aisle over here and he's just doing this and he's praying and, and, and God is like transforming this young man's life. And so I walked over to go pray with another guy and as I'm praying with this other kid, this well-meaning woman walks up to him and says, don't you know that cornrows are not appropriate in church. Don't you know that your jersey represents a gang? It is not appropriate for church. And if you want to act like that, you need to leave. I'm just saying in one moment, somebody completely destroyed what we were trying to do. And this kid never came back, and he wanted nothing to do with it because she proved everything he believed about the church. Church family, your job is just to sweep, just to sweep, just to find lost sheep. The band would come. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says this, that there are more angels. It says, it says it's just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heaven is having a party every single time a dirty coin gets put back in the hand of the Savior. Just sweep off the coin. Like that's why we're Celebration Church. That's what Luke 15 is about. He finds the sheep. He says, rejoice with me for the sheep that I have lost is now found. She finds the coin. She says, rejoice with me because the coin that I have found is now lost. The prodigal son is gone. When he comes back, the, the father says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. I'm just saying the culture of the church must be. It is required that the culture of the church is party animals about finding lost coins, lost sheep, lost sons. I wonder, is there anybody else here that's willing to flip on a light with me? Start looking for some lost coins. Oh, we got some people doing it. Come on, let's go. Let's find some lost coins. Anybody willing, willing to say, my, my life is about something bigger than me. My life is about finding lost 
coins. And the more people that are searching for lost coins, the more lost coins that Jesus can find. Because here's the kicker, you and I are actually not the woman. In this parable, we are the silver coin and Jesus is the woman. Right now, somebody's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Jesus is the one. Yes, he's the woman. We are all the lost coin. And he searched for us. And he swept for us. And he didn't stop until he found us. Anybody thankful that he found you? When you were lost, when you had no hope, he found you. But he doesn't stop there. He then says, all my coins that I've already found, would you turn around? Would you flip on the lights? And would you just join me in finding lost silver? Would you stand with me all across the room? God, I pray that you would give us this one holy ambition not to complicate our faith with mental gymnastics and proof texts and fact checkers and all the fun stuff we do to make our faith complicated. I pray we would have a simple faith. God, I pray we would have an innocent faith towards you. This is, Lord, whatever you're calling us to do, we want to do it and if it is finding lost coins we will sweep them and we will find them Lord there are lost coins in this room men and women that are in the house but they're misplaced they've been forgotten they feel overlooked maybe right now this sermon is Maybe you're in the room today and this sermon is for you. It is a light and a broom. And you recognize that you're just not in his hand. You feel lost, but you recognize this sermon is a light and a broom. And it's God saying, come back to me. If that's you, would you just put a hand up so I can see where you're at in the room? Come on, I see that. I see that. He's saying, come back to me. He's saying, come come into the light. Listen, our response is very simple. He's the one that's doing all the work. All we do is repent and believe. Repent means we turn away from the way we think, do, from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. Especially the way we think. And then we believe in the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do this, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And he pulls us into a conversation with God or a relationship with God. Would you pray with me right now? Something something along these lines. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. God, I'm like that misplaced piece of silver just got stuck between the cracks would you forgive me I believe that Jesus Christ died 
was buried and that he rose again on the third day. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's a few people that just made the biggest decision to go from darkness to light. Changes everything. And that's our mission, church. Our mission is to join God in his pursuit of lost silver. Let's respond. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.